When you think about your sanctification, what do you believe regarding your role in it? Are you beholding to passive or active obedience, or both? Passive obedience is sitting, soaking, and trusting God, that's pretty much it, while active obedience is doing something with your faith. Let me ask the question another way. When suffering comes, is trusting God all you need, passive obedience, or are there things you should do that flow from your affection for Christ? Welcome to the podcast. This is Rick Thomas. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. Thank you so much for being here. And as always, if you want to read our Your Daily Drive podcast, you can do that by going to our website. The title that you're looking for is Trusting God is Good, But You Need More When Suffering Comes. Now, don't drop your mouth on my title. This is a good title. Trusting God is Good, But You Need More When Suffering Comes comes. I ran this through my headline analyzer, and I scored a 72 on it. I run all of our titles through that. 72 is in the green, and it is a good one. We are a cyber ministry, and so titles are important. You never want to go off into sensationalism, which we do not, but you also want to make sure that you have a good title that meets the criteria of SEO so that it will go out and reach more people, and that is the goal, impacting as many lives as possible with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, with that in mind, I've got some exciting news for you all. I have been talking about this for, oh, I'd say five years, and now I can talk about it in the past tense. Praise God. You see, in 2015, we released all of our articles into the public space, into the public domain. From 08 to 2015, the first seven years of our ministry, you could read part of an article on our website, and then you had to pay, support us in order to read the rest of it. And so we rolled the sovereign dice in 2015 and released all of our written content into that public space. Our ministry took a significant financial hit, but we kept grinding because I believe that God was going to sustain us because I believe in the resources that that he produces through the various people in this ministry. Well, that was not the end game. The end game is to release all of our content into the public space. And so here we are five years later, and that process has begun. Uh, over the weekend, I, I spent a good amount of hours taking our video content and moving it toward uh, out into the public domain. And so uh, I'm not done yet. Uh, I have about 200 more videos to go. But some of our best webinars right now are free to everyone. I'm working on the webinar page, and I've moved six of them out, and I've got a couple of dozen more. All of them will be out for you to enjoy, and I thank God for that. So if you want to find our videos in the public space, go to the navigation bar at the top of the website where it says Resources. Hover over it. You'll get a drop-down. On the drop-down, click the word video, and you will see 12 graphics that give the 12 video channels to our website. And you can start perusing them. Some of those says coming soon because 
I've got to get those populated, and I should have them by the end of the week, God willing, but I already have uh, more than two dozen that I've put up the last couple of days, and, and I'm working on the webinars now. As I said, i got six of those up, got 20-plus something to go, but I want you to go ahead and enjoy them. I want you to know that. I want you to bookmark that page. I want you to share it. You can follow the progress if you want, and there'll be more videos added. Praise God. Now, I, for those of you who support us, I just appeal to you to continue to do so if you can, and for those of you who don't, uh, would you consider it? Because we are rolling the sovereign dice, and your support will be vital because that is the only way that we can continue going. 90% of our revenue comes from support. from It's a donor-supported community, and so if you could help, that would be great. Now let me roll into this article. Trusting God is good, but you need more when suffering comes. After a person is born again, he becomes a Christian where he spends the rest of his life progressively transforming into Christ-likeness. We call this progressive sanctification. It is a process that we never perfect, though we're always changing incrementally, slowly, sometimes in a plodding fashion, maybe sometimes in a a crawling fashion, but we're always changing. Progressive sanctification. The lifelong process of progressive sanctification is an inside-outside operation, which is a reliable and straightforward way to think about how we live our lives. Now, of course, there are different camps that posit their perspectives on how our ongoing transformation happens. There's three of those camps. One is the quietist, the other is the legalist, and the third is the biblicist. The quietist focus mostly, if not entirely, on inside transformation. That's where the term passive obedience comes. It's something that happens to you, not so much what you are doing. So it's passive voice, not active voice. And then legalists focus mostly, if not entirely, on outside transformation, and then biblicists focus on both aspects of how we change. Now, another way to think about the passive obedience crowd, the quietist, is sitting and soaking as a method to change. This movement has been picking up steam the first part of this century because a gospel transformation movement has been going on. I mean, everyone is talking about the gospel. We live in a gospel-hyphenated world. Some of this gospel talk, in my view, has focused too much on the internal, you know, like preach the gospel to yourself every day. And though this is a good and needful language in our Christian culture, some sectors have created an unintended negative consequence because of this hermeneutic. While trying to do battle with the legalists in our churches, there has not been enough clarification about what preaching the gospel to yourself should mean. And because of this, there have been unnecessary misunderstandings, and even confusion. Now, don't get me wrong. I like the term, the expression. I plan to continue to use it, preaching the gospel to yourself. 
I like the mantra so much that some good-hearted people have even accused me of quietism. You know, this idea of marinating your minds in the gospel. I have been accused of that quietism. For those of you who have been reading my work regularly, I mean, like at the bottom of every article, virtually is a call to action, uh, active steps. But nevertheless, uh, if you cherry-pick information, you know, like from a website or a ministry, you can draw false conclusions, but that's okay. Uh, I don't adhere to passive obedience exclusivity. Now, one of the places where that comes from in Scripture is 2 Corinthians 3.18. Paul said this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. You hear the direction of that, the passive voice, something that God do, does to you inside of you, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. The next sentence says, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so passive obedience is the act of believing God, trusting God, that's good, and based on your ability to trust Him will be the proportion that determines your obedience, your purity, your transformation. Did you you hear that? So transformation is proportional to trust, this passive thing that God does in you. Now, according to this view, sanctification is primarily about believing in the Lord. And so, I mean, to believe God, I mean, that is the basis for our relationship with Him. I mean, that's right. That's good. All of our growth flows out of our belief in God. There's no other place from which we can derive our transformation. I mean, another way that you can think about this is like this. Everything we do in life flows out of what we believe about God, even if a person is an atheist, an agnostic, Unbeliever, nominal Christian, seeker, new Christian, growing Christian, maturing Christian. All of us live out our theology, theos lagos, the study of God, what we think about God, our personal experience with the Lord. Even if we don't have one, you have an opinion and you live according to what you believe. And so if you don't believe God, you live according to an unbelieving world system. Now, the more time you spend with your Bible and your God, meditating and reflecting on Him while building a robust, sound, and comprehensive theology, well, obviously, the more profound your sanctification will be. There's no reasonable argument against this idea of passive obedience. I mean, you can go contrary-wise. Let me give you a counseling illustration. I have counseled hundreds of people whose lives were dysfunctional, and without exception, there was always something wrong with their internal, passive obedience, personal relationship with the Lord. They did not practice passive obedience. I want to give you four attributes that does not describe them. They were in love with their Bibles. Not true. The Bible was mastering them. Not true. They had a passionate and intimate relationship with Jesus. Not true. All of these are characteristics of passive obedience. Number four, that relationship was transforming them on the inside. 
not true. You see, if these things are not happening, you are not passively obedient. The animating center of your life should be a growing, wild, rugged, satisfying, reciprocal relationship with God. If you are not incrementally heading in that direction, talking about passive obedience, I would say, please stop, turn around, because you're going the wrong way. And so I believe in passive obedience. So go ahead now, if you don't mind, examine yourself where you are in passive obedience. I'm just talking about the inside. Are you in love with your Bible? Are you in love with God's Word? Is God's, is God's Word mastering your thought life, your worry, your anxiety, your fear, your anger? Are you growing in, your, in an intimate relationship with the Lord? Are you transforming on the inside? That's the question. Some folks talk uh, some folks love the passive obedience teaching so much that they scoff at the notion of doing something per James 1.22. You know James 1.22, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You've got to do something with that text, and the best thing to do is believe it. And so I adhere to 2 Corinthians 3.18. I am being transformed by God. I also adhere to James 1.22, to be doers of the word. But those who believe in passive obedience, exclusivity, they scoff at doing something. They will say, it's the gospel plus nothing equals salvation, and the gospel plus nothing equals sanctification. This type of sloganeering is poor communication. In our effort to make a memorable point, I know what's trying to be said here, but sometimes we can dip our toes into theological hyperbole. Nobody disagrees, or nobody should disagree, that our salvation and our sanctification are all of grace. Nobody should disagree with that. For by grace we are saved, for by grace we are sanctified. I'm okay if you want to beat back the legalists who war at us with their holy clubs, but you don't want to forget that we are to add stuff to our passive obedience. Doers of the word, faith without works is dead as you move along in James. Now, of course, we know that we can only do these things because we find our empowerment from God's kind grace to us. It is empowering favor. If our obedience is not active, we have no way of putting Jesus on display in our culture unless we walk around letting our little light shine through our teeth. Standing on the street corner makes us no different from the next person who stands there alongside us. We are to be different from our culture, which means we must do things. We take our passive obedience and externalize it into objective actions that transform us into being Jesus to all our neighbors. 
And so the first part of this podcast, I trust, I made a strong case for passive obedience. And now I'm making a case for active obedience. And that is why at the end of all of my articles are call to action questions, CTAs. I hope the reader will do more than pray about what they just read. Mental reflection is outstanding, but activating your faith with clear, specific, and practical action items is better. How many times does a person like something? I put that in quotation marks. They like something on social media, on a social media platform, and they move on to the next thing. That process there that I just described is neither passive nor active. One, uh, one social media curse in this generation is that we don't take the time to entrench anything into our long-term memories. There is a war going on in our souls, in our relationships, in our world while the teaching of 2 Corinthians 3.18 being transformed, it is excellent. It's needful. There are also scores of scriptures that talk about the need for working out our faith. Therefore, you ever heard this? Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That was Paul talking to the churches at Philippi. The recipients of Paul's letters, like Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippi, found themselves entangled in all kinds of things. And so Paul appealed to them about how to overcome their sin problems. Paul's solution was knowing God passive. But there was an active element that he gave equal time to in his letters. One of the best illustrations of this is the book of Ephesians, because there are six chapters there, and you can draw a line right down the middle. The first half of the book, the first three chapters, talks about God, who he is, what he has done, how he thinks about us, his overall trustworthiness, and the multifaceted benefits of his great salvation. These three chapters should always be clearly understood before and as we talk about obedience, because God is our foundation. But as important as this is, and it is, Paul didn't stop his teaching with this foundation, oh, God is good, God is great, He's done all this for us, we should just revel, we should marinate our minds in this, sit and soak, praise God. He then gave us a three-chapter call to action that began in Ephesians 4, 1, with the conjunction, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. He's tying that back to the three chapters that he just mentioned. In chapter 4, Paul launches into applying the gospel, as mentioned in 1, 2, and 3. There is no doubt 
from reading these passages that sanctification is hard, active work. There are times we must do stuff to mature in progressive sanctification. Paul urged his readers to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. Rather than saying all we need to do is believe, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, we should say, quote, the cause of the great love in which he loved us. We are motivated and empowered to obey, to walk, to obey him in all ways. And thus we work out our obedience by doing things. This statement is better for gospel sanctification, which puts the gospel first, foundational, and fundamental. The gospel comes before our obedience, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. And it's because of the gospel we are motivated and empowered to obey, Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. A wrong view of passive obedience teaches something like this, quote, The only thing to think about and the only thing to put your energy and resources into is a belief. And if you do this, you're not going to fail. And if you do fail, it just proves you do not believe in the Lord the way you should. Passive obedience undersells and weakens our views on temptation, on sin, on the enemy, on depravity. This person, the passive obedience person, does not see the the proportional responsibility to do stuff. We must obey God, and our obedience is more contoured than just a belief system or our identity or how we think about the Lord. I want to share with you a list of active belief statements to examine how your life reflects these active belief statements in your day-to-day affairs. The first one is, and all these have scripture by them, John 3, 16, and so the statement is, I am to believe God. Matthew 5, 30, I am to amputate sin. Romans 8, 13, I am to mortify, to make dead the members of my body. Ephesians 4, 22, I am to put off the old man. Ephesians 4, 23, I am to renew my mind. Ephesians 4, 24, I am to put on Christ. James 1.22, I am to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only, passive obedience. Ephesians 6.11, I am to put on the whole armor of God. 2 Timothy 2.22, I am to flee fornication. Ephesians 4.15, I am to speak the truth in love. Matthew 5.44, I am to forgive those who persecute me. Romans 12.18, I am to actively try to live at peace with everyone. Philippians 1.29, I am to suffer. And this list continues. You'll find many calls to action in the New Testament, which does not imply that salvation is works-based. The gospel is the foundation of our salvation and our sanctification. Any response to the gospel is only because of the Lord's unmerited favor that enables us to respond to do these miraculous things, the list that I just gave you. Now, I want to give you four personal examples as I 
wrap up this podcast about people who need more than belief in God. Now, these illustrations come from my life narrative. There were times of crisis in my life. I needed more than a trust God mantra in the moment of each of these tragic circumstances. Yes, I I know Jesus has me. Jesus has my back. I know I'll be okay, ultimately. But when a crisis comes, I need more than Jesus loves me. This I know. I remember one time a friend of mine I mean, he didn't know what to say, and I get it. I, I, I totally get it. I've, I've said things that kind of fell flat, too, uh, to people who were suffering. And it, he said, you just need to trust God. And I told him, well, I, I, don't, I really don't want to trust God now. There was an element of active in that statement that I was telling him. Of course, my active was going the other way. I was more like, Jonah going to Tarshish, then Jonah going to Nineveh. I was going the wrong way. I didn't want to trust God. I needed to act. All right, so here are four autobiographical illustrations. And my point here is we need to believe God. We need to trust God, passive obedience, and we need to do stuff too. And what I want you to hear is people get stuck in their sufferings, and they don't do this. They don't move forward. I know at the, at the time that it happens, it can be hard to move forward, and I get that. But at some point, you really have to. And so illustration number one, a person who has experienced a tragic circumstance like the murder of a loved one will need to do a whole lot more than believe God to work through all the webs that sin has brought upon them. And, of course, that's the story, and some of you have followed our ministry for a while, you know that my two older brothers were murdered 10 years apart. And trusting God is critical, is foundational. But I needed to do something because there was a web of sin. And I've talked about different aspects of that all along. Illustration number two, a person who has been verbally abused by his parents, especially his dad, and then grows up crippled by the fear of man, insecurity, peer pressure, codependency, as they call it in our culture. This person will need to know more than trust God. I trust God, but I have a stronghold, fear of man. He will need to believe God, no doubt, but he will also need other means to help fight against the onslaught of sin that attacks his belief system. Illustration number three. A person who just found out his wife committed adultery will have a lot more to work through than merely trust God. There is no question his stability will be proportional to his belief in God, but God is calling him to do some mighty things, and you'll have to get up. You'll have to do those mighty things. And and I lived that, and I do know what I'm talking about. Illustration number four from My life story, a person who has just lost his spouse and children through a divorce will need to trust the Lord. Yes and amen. This concept is essential and non-debatable. This person also requires training in overcoming the, the complexity of evil that is trying to entrap him. In each of these illustrations, I had to do more than trust God, believe in him, rest in him. 
This process was more than a mental mind game of shaking myself until my belief was strong enough to keep me from sinning. No, it was many years of wrestling with God and repenting from sin against others. It helped that, those two things, wrestling with God and repenting of sin, it helped bring my soul back to Christian normalcy. And so believing in God was the foundation, but I had to do stuff. The title of this podcast is Trusting God is Good. It's good. It's foundational. Passive obedience. Praise God. But you need more when suffering comes. you got to do stuff too. The most vital key to your sanctification is for your obedience to flow from a heart that is head over heels in love with Christ. If a deep affection for Jesus does not energize your soul, your works could be rote, like a legalist. If you have a profound love for God, but are not mobilizing it into objective obedience, your impact on your sphere of influence will be nil. It's both and. Now, to call to action here, I have five questions that I would love for you to work through. I want you to reflect on this. By the way, I also have a video here from our video page, our free videos in the public domain. Uh, This one has justification and sanctification compared. And so you can hit the button and, and watch this short video comparing justification and sanctification, and it will be instructional for you. If you, have a web, if you have a question for us, please come to our website. It would be a joy to chat with you. Our team would love to do that. Maybe I can chime in as well. We're here. We have a free community forum provided for you by those who underwrite our ministry. And so you jump on that forum and you ask whatever question about this or perhaps something else, and it would be a pleasure to come alongside you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast.